0: We just want to make sure we have a, in a good picture of, of what we want to say, of what we're looking at, of what we want either the dispatcher or the responder in the field to hear, to know, nothing more. From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott.
1: That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thanks for checking in with me on Code 3 again. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Now let's get started. One of the critical skills a firefighter needs is an ability to communicate concisely and completely over the radio, like this. Central
0: Food Network is on thing. Single story, single family dwelling. It looks like a uh, board up residence. We got fire through the roof. Uh, looks like we're going go to sense We got some exposure problems to the north. There's a hydrant
1: about 200 feet ahead of us. Uh, this will be uh, passing command Just kind of one on scene. But sometimes this happens. 80 42 on the scene. Holy
0: shit. Uh, let's see. Oh, pull up, pull up, pull up,
1: pull up. Okay, no judgment there. He clearly wasn't expecting what he saw. Some firefighters, especially new officers, get excited when they get on the radio, and they're loud, but they don't have much to say. Then the IC has to ask for clarification, which wastes time and ties up the radio. The key is a balance between too much info, and yeah, that happens more than you'd like to admit, and too little info. Here to explain how to find that balance is Mark Sapanik. He's a past chief at the Lakeview, New York Fire District, and he's a dispatcher for the town of Hamburg, New York, with over 30 years of public service dispatching experience. Mark, thanks for joining me on Code 3 today.
0: Thank you for having me, Scott.
1: Let's start with radio jargon. Many, if not most, departments have switched away from using codes, 10 codes, other jargon like that. Some guys say that slows things down, though. Why do you prefer it?
0: Because I think it's clearer. The agency I work in, we have people that come from different agencies, uh, a transfer or however you may have it. Or if we, the town next to us, if they come into our town, we we have to be able to communicate. And if we're using our own codes, somebody else might not even know what that means. And I really don't think it slows it down at all. I don't think code 10 is any faster to say in, in service. You know, maybe that extra syllable there, but it's certainly negligible anything that's happening. It's very important that the receiver gets the correct message.
1: And while we're on the subject of getting the right message, is it possible to say too much over the radio?
0: Oh, it sure is. You want to be brief, concise. Uh, brevity is a good way to, to, a good word to use in this case. Make sure the receiver gets exactly what they need, and uh, nothing more. You know, there's nothing. some people they just ramble on and on and on, and they think the more they talk the uh, more effective they are as a communicator, and it's not the case.
1: So how do we teach people to just give us what we need and not a whole lot of extraneous stuff?
0: Well, I I like to have practice drills with my people, sometimes record them, and have them listen to what they just said. We we critique together as to how that message was received. Is it received as intended? Does the person listening just kind of tune out halfway through because you're just going on and on and on? Or are you right on point? And that we want to get our people right on point, and both delivering the message and hearing the message.
1: Hey, I think that's a really good point. That if you say too much, if you get into too many details, people start to tune out halfway through what you're saying, and they don't hear anything.
0: Correct. We just want to make sure we have a paint a good picture of of what we want to say, of what we're looking at, of what we want either the dispatcher or the responder in the field to hear, to know, nothing more.
1: Can you give me an example of radio traffic that seems to be clear cut, but it turns out not to be?
0: Oh, I sure can. I had an assistant assistant chief. We had a call of two youths in the water. I live right on Lake Erie here. And uh, I was a bit further out than she was. She got there. She gave me an update. She called the chief. I got two youths in the water. She was correct. Well, when I got there, I saw with the two youths in the water, they were up to their waist trying to pull their kayak back in. And there was no, you know, wake or anything. They were fine, just walking under their own power. So while she did give me a a correct summation of what she was seeing, that's not what I received. You know, to use in a water when you're a fire chief, activate for different emergency call, gives you a a totally different idea.
1: Now, I'll put you on the spot here and say that while it was up to her to be more specific, would you say it's fair to add that you should have asked for more clarification at that point?
0: Absolutely right, and then I give my little spiel here because I've been doing this a long time—32 years—and uh, I made them a lot of mistakes in those 32 years. So, <laughs> so we, we, you know, don't—we all try to learn from our mistakes. You know, a wise man learns from his mistakes. A wiser man learns from other people's mistakes. And I, I just try, try to to pass on good information and good habits, and you know, and a little bit of don't do what I did.
1: Do you find that people are more likely to be nervous about being on the radio or thinking that they're really good on the radio?
0: Uh, I would say generally the newer people are nervous for sure. Uh, it's, it's you know, sometimes we have a new dispatcher, we have to type out scripts for them or, again, have radio drills. And uh, there's other people that are, well, I I'd put it maybe in the overconfident category, the ones that go on and on and on. I want to tell you the whole story and (laughs) they're a little too comfortable. Maybe I don't know.
1: Have you ever run into a situation where you've had to say to somebody like that? All right, hold up. I'll be there in a minute. You can tell me everything when I arrive.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And maybe a year ago we had a structure fire and I I was trying to relay some information to the incident commander and it was was pretty critical information. And I just felt he wasn't understanding the gravity of what I was saying. So I, I, I turned over that sector to somebody else, and I had to have a little face-to-face with them. And sometimes you have to do that to really get, to relay the situation that, you, you you know, they're just, for whatever reason, they're not receiving the gravity of what you're trying to say.
1: Now, I'm sure you're familiar with the fact that around the country there are different radio practices. For example, I'll use FDNY they tend to speak in complete sentences and explain everything, not too much, but they explain all the details. But then I find places like Los Angeles County where they tend to say less. How does that work for you? Are you Would you prefer to have the short, concise version or the longer, more detailed versions?
0: I, I would say I'm a more short, concise guy. But again, we're getting to this West Coast, East Coast thing. You you sometimes do have to... to Take Stretch it out a little further. FDNY definitely has its own culture, as Los Angeles City does, I'm sure. And, and they have their, I guess, vernacular is a good word to say it. And it works for their department. Um, Their guys are comfortable with it, and they communicate effectively, so that's okay.
1: Ultimately, that's the key, isn't it, as long as everybody's on the same page.
0: That is exactly it. That's exactly it.
1: So what tips do you have for best practices on the radio? When, when someone gets in their first role where they have to use the radio a lot, what should they be thinking about?
0: Uh, try to picture the, re- you know, the receiver, what they want to hear, what they need to hear. Not necessarily the whole meandering thing that you want to tell them. Be clear and concise. When you're giving an address, use the suffix. I worked in a high-volume EMS system for Erie County. We dispatch ambulances for the city of Buffalo. And we had a lot of little built-in fail-safes that if it was a street that rhymed with something else, you spelled it out. Main Street versus Bain, you spelled it out. Use street because, you know, in a little town I live in, we have West Parkway, we have West Lane. You have to make sure you're very careful with that.
1: So you need to be specific and not just assume which is probably accurate for the whole conversation you're having. You need to make sure that you're not assuming that the, that the guy on the other end knows what you're talking about.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Have you ever had to deal with a situation where somebody who is maybe newish at this gets excitable, starts talking louder and louder and doesn't understand that
0: if you yell into a radio, it doesn't make you louder on the other end? Oh, for sure. I, I think somebody, you know, when you're newer, yeah. you think, oh, the more important a message, the more loud I have to be, and you have to work with these people to kind of bring them in. Now, sometimes, you know, we'll get dispatched to a call, or you'll hear the dispatcher call, whoever, and they have that little uh, edge in their voice, so you're kind of on guard, you know, something's up here, you know, this is not a routine uh, call, you know, like a working fire or, you know, the the police side of robbery, And, and you can use that to your advantage a little bit to get people perked up.
1: One more question about distorted radio traffic. How do you deal with people wearing SCBAs and trying to yell into their radio? Do you Have you found a way to work with that?
0: Well, for sure, yelling with an SCBA is just going to garble everything. Putting that microphone up against the, the little outlet, the little speaker, speaking in a normal conversational tone like I'm doing now, it's going to get the message over much more effective than yelling in an excitable way. Now, we all know, unfortunately, there are situations people find themselves in in fires that where they're, they're excitable, and they're yelling, and they're in trouble, and uh, we just try to work through that, and that's training, training, training. I, I think it's just, as more, it's just as important to train with a radio than any other tool in our arsenal.
1: And I was going to ask you about that. You mentioned that a minute ago. How do you do radio training? Do you do that as part of a training evolution where you take the rig and pull line and all that, or do you actually do radio training?
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we communicate, you know, they get to their room in the house where their fire is or a simulated fire or whatever the case may be, and sometimes we'll have an instructor there guide them what update to give and let the chief know what's going on. And the chief has to make some decisions on that information and make some radio communication. So a radio, whether it's an extrication drill, anything, we try to really incorporate it because it's incorporated with everything we do.
1: All right, Mark Sapanik, thanks for talking with me on Code 3 today.
0: Well, sir, thank you for having me.
1: After three decades in public service, Mark has heard just about all the ways you can make a radio call, good and bad. What do you think is important to know and do when you're on the radio? You can leave your comments on our website at Code3Podcast.com transmit. There's links to more resources there as well. I've got two requests for you today. First, please tell someone about this show. If you like what you hear, then let your crew know. Maybe your probie, maybe your company officer, whomever you think might get some benefit of the interviews we do here. And if you do find value in these interviews, and if you can swing it, and I know times are rough right now, then please consider making a monthly contribution. It's simple. Just go to code3podcast.com slash support. If you give $10 a month, you get access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions. That's extra content that not everyone hears, and I'll be adding more soon. If you can't do it right now, it's all right, I understand. It's still a free podcast. But if you can, I'd be very pleased to have your help. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I sure hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe.
0: To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.